Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 151, and today we'll be talking about Steven's Dream. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Can you remember how big this one was when it came out? Well, when the whole thing came out? Yeah, I remember just the promotional material, just the picture. Were we seeing a picture of the palanquin, and it was like... You know, we were going to get answers and stuff. <laughs> yes, it's time for answers. Yeah. Which we questionably got answers. Maybe more questions than answers. We, we kind of sort of got answers. So they, they half they half met their promise. It was no what we really are. Let's put it that way. And I will continue <laughs> right. to hold that over their heads for approximately forever. Yeah. I mean, I still don't know if we know what they really are. So... I guess we'll just have to wait. Yeah, wait and see what they really are. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think it's really telling, though. Blue Diamond's line to Greg about her marveling at humanity's ability to survive in the wild. And all I can think is, man, humans do anything but. So, like, the fact that she considers human society to be the wild is, like, that tells you something about how regimented the Diamond Authority is. Yeah. Well, also, I wonder how much of Earth she's been seeing or how much she knows about humans right now. But, man, her interaction with Greg is just so chill for the most part. Like, she pretty much immediately, uh, you know, when Greg sympathizes with her, uh, she she doesn't, you know, dismiss it at all. She immediately is like, oh, wow, humans can feel the same way I do. How interesting. Yeah, it's like an immediate Blue Diamond has found a friend. Yeah, it's... It's weird because Yellow Diamond definitely doesn't seem to have any value for Earth. But, like, I mean, what does that say about the Diamond Authority and about gems in general? Like, it seems, I mean, for all the gem interactions we've seen, it's pretty easy to convince them that humans are cool and the Earth is cool. So uh, I wonder what role Blue Diamond will play in the future because she's she's definitely a much more understanding (laughs) being. Yeah, as as long as I'm not a different gem fusion, I think I would much rather be talking to Blue Diamond than Yellow. That's the impression I'm getting. Right, as long as you're not fused with one of the members of her court, you know, it might work out. Yeah. I mean, she would probably love that Lonely Blade arm wrestling game that he showed Rose in the room. For sure. <laughs> uh, I, w- I, w- I, w- I want to see uh, Blue Diamond hanging out with... Uh, the the crew just like Bismuth did. Yeah, well, I still remember your fantasy from a few yes. episodes back of hers. <laughs> Her coming to find the real Shatterer. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I will sure. be so happy if she actually does that. <laughs> and if they, if they ever do a comedic reboot of Steven Universe, they have to put that in there just for me. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know if I really want to see a Teen Titans Go-esque Steven Universe, but, uh... Well, as long as they don't all become horrible to each other. Like, as long as they're all still buddies. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, Teen Titans Go definitely gives them a lot more animosity. So, yeah, um, Blue Diamond's face. Like, we get this reveal the first time. When you first saw Blue Diamond... How did you feel, like, your expectations versus reality? Like, there had been fan art out with her with, like, multiple eyes, like, this intimidating presence. There's definitely a mystique to her because we'd seen her in Garnet's retelling. (laughs) She definitely looks different than we saw in the answer. 
but I really like what we got. I mean, mystique is, I think, the perfect word for what she's got going on. Yeah. She's she's big, she's powerful, she's mysterious, and she's graceful. Yeah. I think for me, the first time we see her, uh, her, her face is a lot more simple than, like, Yellow Diamond. Yellow Diamond has a lot of harsh lines on her face, sort of has a little more detail to it. And so, like, when I saw it, the biggest characteristic is just like her droopy eyes. And I was a, a little disappointed. But after seeing her later on in the bomb, like with dip morph expressions, like and seeing her go from sad to angry <laughs> when talking yes. to Sapphire, you know, that that opened me up a little more. I think she's introduced or her face is shown in such a magnificent way. She just that slow turn and you just see the sliver of her face. Right. Like, I just imagined her looking a little more sophisticated, I guess. And, and maybe it's just because of Yellow Diamond's design that I saw first. But I, I've grown to it. But sometimes, you know, I prefer for the initial impression. I just think the, like, droopiness of the eyes is what got me the most, if they weren't so accentuated. But that's fine, because she, I mean, she is a... that That's her defining characteristic. She is depressed, and and she can cause people to cry. Yeah, she is sad diamond. Right. What what did you think about the connection between like like why Steven's crying? Like now we've seen Blue Diamond has the ability to cause all you know gems to cry. Um, Steven appears to be really susceptible to it though, because I mean he's the only crystal gem who experienced it. Right. Yeah, I'm wondering like Blue Pearl wasn't experiencing that while Steven was. Steven was also apparently able to see through her eyes. We still haven't fully defined, like, what Steven's empath abilities and, and dream mind control abilities are. It's it's all sort of in a vague space, and I wonder if they're going to keep it that way. Or, you know, how much is Steven going to be able to understand it or control it? I don't know. Yeah, it's... His mother was a very empathetic person. He got the magical empathy powers. He's got the mundane empathy powers just going crazy that, like, Rose never had. Yeah. Uh, I think the fact that he has the mundane empathy makes his empathetic powers all the stronger. I think that's why he's able to, for instance, heal Centipedal better than Rose was ever able to heal a corrupted gem. Right. I mean, we've seen that Rose was a caring person, but but Steven just takes it one step farther. Uh, and speaking of that, I, I liked uh, near the beginning of the episode when Steven was asking Greg about you know, what, what he knew about Rose's history. And I like that they sort of explained Greg and Rose's relationship as, you know, Greg knew that there was stuff that had happened in Rose's past, but he didn't want to, you know, weigh her down with her having to retell all that stuff to him. And, and to to both of them, it was more important to just share their, like, current lives. Like, I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. At the same time, though, I really wish he had all the details because the gems oh, yeah. sure aren't sharing them. But yeah, Greg the Musician kind of had a as long as you love me kind of vibe going on there. Right. Which is sweet, but also give me the answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're the ones who want the answers, Greg. You have an obligation to us. Right. I mean, your son is the star of the show. Yeah, like, come on, man. Whatever. I guess it's a, a nice excuse for one of our main characters not to be able to give Steven more information that he needs. Oh, man. Garnet. Garnet was really withholding in this oh, episode. 
okay, seriously, I'm sure it's been brought up before, but, like, she could have explained the situation to Steven, you know? Like, I don't... If she just said, Blue Diamond is on Earth, and I'm afraid to confront her, then Steven would get it. But instead, she but would be mysterious. <sighs> I mean, maybe... But at least, I don't know, it just seems better to say more than saying less. I mean, did she see Greg being ad- abducted? Like, that's pretty serious. Whatever. Uh, I mean, again, future vision. Why did they tell us about future vision? Right, it complicates things so much. I mean, they, they had to have known that this would happen when they gave her that power. It just baffles me that it puts them into a corner so often. Right. Well... A thing about the way Steven Universe episodes play out, when you have this 11-minute format, you kind of, it, it, instead of giving better reasons as to why things happen, they kind of let things slide and just like, all right, now Steven's going to go. Like, But sometimes I feel like they skip giving a better reason as to why things happen. Like, like once they're actually in Korea and Steven and Greg are hiding behind the bush and Blue Diamond hears them and Pearl goes to inspect, they wouldn't have been found if Greg hadn't popped out of the bush and started talking. Uh, I don't know. Pearl could have checked him out. Blue Pearl was like, I thought I heard something, but like, they didn't have to. I mean, they could have just written it where Pearl, Blue Pearl, like, just straight up saw them. But instead, we get like a sort of gap. I don't know. Like, to me, Blue Pearl says, I thought I heard something. That seems like it could have ended right there. And then she could have just walked back. But instead, Greg was like, I'll handle this. And, you know, we know how that ended up. He just wanted to get closer to that giant, giant woman. Right, yeah. I mean, I would have taken that, like, just, it's Greg's intrigue. But, like, the way it was set up, it just felt like, Greg, you don't actually have to pop out of the bush. But, again, the writers control everything about the story. It's not a real universe. So, like, you know, they could have just made Blue Pearl see him. They could have had Garnet explain something differently, but instead it felt weird. Like, what was the reason Garnet... I mean, I guess we're saying that Garnet was that afraid of Blue Diamond to talk about it. She has a good reason to be. How many Quartzes do you think are on board that ship? Well, probably agates. Lots of agates. That's true. Well, and she has a personal history with fearing Blue Diamond. So, I mean, I get it. But, like, I don't know. I feel like they could have established more of that, too. Because we've only really seen that in the answer. You know, a reason for Garnet to be afraid. And that's kind of it, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too critical. I mean, obviously she didn't remember Ruby and Sapphire, but I have a feeling that if she saw a garnet on Earth, it's like, oh yeah, memory's coming back. I pronounced a death sentence on one of you, didn't I? Yeah, it's interesting who, you know, that that gives, uh, maybe I should wait to talk about it, but like, when they're in the space station later on and Pearl's like, right there... I mean, if she was, like, a famous pearl, like, with White Diamond, you'd think Holly or one of the other gems would have noticed well, that pearl, but whatever. her appearance is a lot different than it was back then. That's true. Back in the pilot, you know, she had a much different design, which is canon because her light shadow reflected the pilot design, so I'm taking that as all of the gems once looked like that. I'm going uh, with it. I mean, even if you, even in the answer, she looked way different. In her, in her own That's war true. flashbacks, she looks different, so, hey, it's a pearl. Yeah. So we we have the meta tripped the Korean animation studio that honestly I'm gonna be honest right. like I'm gonna be a bit of a grognard and be like why would you put that in there it can't possibly be canon unless they're wizards <laughs> right it's one of those things where it's like 
Uh, yeah, it's a montage. That's just for fun. I mean, do, do we do we need do we need to draw? Do, do do we need to have Uncle Grandpa show up for me so they can pat me on the back and say, "There, there, GC, that part wasn't canon." Right. I mean, there's probably smaller examples too in Steven Universe of things that couldn't really be canon. I mean, it's whatever. It's fun just to have the joke. <laughs> but yeah, maybe you know, maybe they are making an animated version of you know. Steven Universe in Steven Universe. Maybe someone's noticed. I mean, it, it would make sense because people are like, hey, all this crazy stuff is happening and nobody noticed. But if they gave them a cartoon, that would also explain uh, why they were able to afford so much stuff for Steven, even back when Greg wasn't a millionaire. <laughs> That's where all the money was secretly coming from. See, I'd take that. I would take that as an excuse. This, this could be explaining the plot hole, but... Steven watches a lot of cartoons. We have to figure out... Maybe they carefully manage the cable plans so that Steven doesn't get his own show. Yeah. Beach City sometimes feels pretty isolated from the rest of the United States or whatever they're calling it in show. You know, we still don't know a lot about the rest of the country anyway. So maybe maybe they're keeping Steven out of the loop on his own cartoon. I mean, maybe that was part of signing the rights away. They're not allowed to air it in Delmarva. Hmm. Yeah, uh, also, on the note of just them going to Korea, I really hope that isn't, like, the main reason they brought Andy on the team <laughs> for, you know, just one airplane trip. Like, you know, he had a double episode, which still always confuses me for how that one ended up to be a 22-minute episode. But, like, I hope he still has more more to do in the show. It's sort of the same problem with the the upcoming episodes where a certain character now has... His own spaceship, you know, now we don't really need centipedal eedle, centipedal eedle, centipedal either, so, and her ship, so it's like, I hope Andy still has purpose. I'm still pinning all of my hopes on Uncle Andy coming back to bring back the Everything Buffet. Hmm. It would be brilliant. <laughs> that, that's his last purpose. He could become a regular fixture on the boardwalk. Hey, jet fuel ain't cheap. That's true. Yeah, we don't, I don't even know what Andy does anymore. Maybe he's just retired. He's got some of that aunt and uncle money. Yeah, maybe he has the deed to the mansion and he rents it out. Yeah. So also, yeah, as far as mansions and money, Greg's nice watch. He was not wearing that nice watch in later episodes. And I really like references to the fact that Greg still has all this money. I hope those don't stop. Like, that was such a funny shift to happen in the show. Like, oh, yeah, Greg has millions of dollars, by the way. So. I still want to see more references to that. Greg could literally act like a rich duck now. I know. I wonder if he's tried. You know, one aspect of Greg's character, they saw him shown, they suggested him, like, giving money, you know, he wanted to give money to Steven for college. But I still feel like Greg would be a more generous guy with his money for, like, you know, a show that's promoting all sorts of positive messages for children. I'm surprised they never showed Greg benefiting large groups of people, possibly, with some of his wealth. Mm. I don't know. Like, his initial reaction to the money was, how do I spend all yeah, this money? Obviously. And I'm like, wait, wait, you don't have to just spend it all on, you know, you. Still got that cuff. Yeah, sorry, a little bit. Now, maybe we can have a very special episode where Greg goes to Aqua Mexico to dig a well. Um, maybe. Mm. That would be, <laughs> they're just like... <laughs> Greg's Greg's generosity episode, just explicit message for children. I don't know. Maybe they could fit in the show somehow. I don't know. At this point where we are now, I don't know where to put Greg's wealth or Andy's plane or anything else. 
We've got a lot of other things to be concerned about now. He can pledge. He can pledge a hundred thousand dollars to uh, get Camp Pining Hearts released on Blu-ray. That is truly a charitable and noble yes. cause. If he can also do that for the Steven Universe series in America, I would appreciate that as well. Yes, please, Mister Greg, do what must be done. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the latest Adventure Time uh, season release currently only has DVD oh. out, so I don't know what Cartoon Network's doing. I mean, maybe digital is just way bigger and physical doesn't bring them enough money, but like... Well, you see, the thing with digital is they probably make almost ten times as much per sale of digital. Because the digital, you're going to pay more for it, and you don't have to pay for all the physical stuff. So you'll make way fewer sales on it, but you're making so much per sale that it doesn't matter. Yeah, but again, it's kind of like the reason why they're releasing vinyls. People like having oh, physical yes. stuff. It's just it just feels permanent. And but maybe there just isn't as big of a market for Blu-ray sales as there are for vinyls because vinyls have an especially cool quality to them. I don't know if they can excite the video market more, but um, if if they were to do a Blu-ray release, they would make so much more money than they're, they're going to make off of these vinyls. But hey, collectors' items, am I right? Right. I mean, you know, that's another thing. You can always include something really basic, like a folded poster or something in the Blu-ray 2. Cora did that for, like, its last Blu-ray release. Things like that. I mean, come on, Cartoon Network. Give, you know, give us a small incentive. We'll come out. We'll come out in hordes and buy your Blu-ray. Please. Uh, but, oh, what else did I... It, it really was remarkable to me, though, how simplistic the depiction of the movie was. It's It's just like with the crying breakfast friends, how simple they are. It's only really Camp Pining Hearts that looks like it could be real. Right, right. That zoomed out view, you're just seeing like a cow floating up. Like, yeah. I mean, and I, and I get it. It's like, hey, this is a movie they're watching. But I mean, part of the reason why everybody loves Camp Pining Hearts so much is because of how real it looks. And then there's also how much it matters to Peridot, which does not hurt at all. Right. Yeah, that movie, I really liked the music that they were playing in the beginning. I just loved the ominous tone to it. But then, like, it was a great detail, but subtlety in Steven Universe is typically announced by characters. And, of course, Greg had to mention, you know, like, I loved it as a detail for, like, hey, think about this. Uh, there might be something related to this cow <laughs> coming up. But then Greg has to, you know, say... You know, uh, talking about the milk, the aliens needing milk for their abductions. And I'm like, thanks for pointing out for those who didn't yep. notice. That's uh, fine. Things that didn't get pointed out, though, I really liked. You know, they haven't forgotten about the mural when Steven has the buddy's yes. book open to the palakeen. Like, please, what is the significance of that mural? I mean, that's a very purposeful placement there. You know, they could put anything on that page, but they specifically put something that Hasn't been explained yet. I have been wondering about that mural basically since the series started. It's, I mean, it was in episode eight. And the thing is, it's only gotten less clear over time. Like, for all the things in the show that have become more and more obvious, this has become more mysterious. Yeah, Rose is fighting somebody, but now we're, now we got, (laughs) yeah, it, it really makes less sense than ever, and yet, I don't think it's throwaway. I, I cannot say anything about it but gibberish at this point. That is how confusing it is. And yet, it, it I still, I mean, the fact that they have it here, it's still going to be explained somehow. Maybe. So, 
I swear, if we do not get a season six. <laughs> and, and it's interesting to what the significance of it can be that they showed it so early on. And then we still don't know about it so much later. You know, I don't think there's any other mystery that long standing. The only other one would have been Lion. And while Lion's still mysterious, we know that pretty well now. I think early on it was really important to show that Rose was fighting against other gems. Mm. So that was that was kind of a background detail that clued you in much earlier, at least it clued me in much earlier, into what had gone on. But, I mean, they've gone on all so long without explaining anything of that mural. I mean, we need... Oh, that would be so cool if Steven's sitting on Homeworld with some Homeworld archivist gem... Uh, explaining to him the homeworld perspective of the rebellion, and she pulls up on a screen an image of that mural. All I think it's five sections. All five sections of that mural, and explaining each one. Oh, that would be beautiful. Mm, exactly what we need. Yeah, and ideally, uh, the gem would be voiced by someone like Rebecca Sugar. Or mm, I'm still waiting that to hear. Rebecca's voice in show. She has not shied away from being a voice actress in in other projects. So, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think it would be like the perfect role playing an archivist who explains the backstory of the world. Uh, that would be the place to do a cameo. Well, either that or an awesome supporting character like Radicles. But yeah. that would be like the <sighs> character if you have a reluctant but capable voice actress who's the show creator. That's the role you take. You know, you're saying that, and that's very appropriate, but also for no rational reason, I kind of want Pink Diamond to just be randomly voiced by Rebecca Sugar now. I've never thought really about that, but that would be such a great reveal. That is another common request. A lot of people think that Pink Diamond's voice actress is the one that did Little Voice. I think it was, was was it Christine or Christina V? I'm not sure. Little Voice's voice actress. A lot of people are hoping that that's Pink Diamond's voice, talking to her cute little zoomins. Hmm. That would be fine. But now I'm obsessed with the thought of Rebecca Sugar voicing her, and that's going to take a while to get out of my head, because it's not going to happen like most of these <laughs> ridiculous fantasies I have for the show. And that's okay. Just gotta... Just uh, gotta give. <laughs> uh, so what else... What else do we have to say about Stephen's dream? I like that when I watch this, I'm like, why are you throwing those bags over the fence? Who's going to come steal them? Just leave them where you are. Right. And, you know, and then they lost all their merch. I don't think they picked Garnet and Stephen picked it back up. Oh, well. Distinguished khakis, Korean goods. Stephen misses out on lots of <laughs> his exploits and commercialism. Oh, well. Yeah, always nobly sacrificing clothes. <laughs> yep. So the thing I'm still thinking about from this episode is exactly the nature of Blue's relationship to Pink. The When Greg asks, you know, were you close to her? And she says, very. I, I wonder exactly how far that goes and how much we're going to find out about that. Um, either this sisterhood or this other sort of relationship between all the diamonds but maybe even specifically between blue and pink will be interesting. Mm -hmm. Then there's also the possibility that blue and yellow were like mothers to pink, but that would be on the hypothesis that pink was younger than the others. But 
I mean, if she's in the Era 1 logo, I just, I don't know. Right. Well, we don't know how they named the Eras either. And yeah, there's still a point to perhaps that hierarchy suggesting white first, then yellow, blue, and then pink is the youngest, which also works with the number of planets they supposedly have in their murals. So I'm still behind that. They're definitely depicted with white as the head honcho, blue and yellow as in the middle, and pink just as, hey, I got one! Right. Slippy, I mean pink, yes, you did. Yeah, she'd been around as long as the rest of them. It's like, kind of slacking off. I mean, you know, one planet, way to go, way to go, girl. Like, yeah. The important part, pink, is that you did your best. Pat, pat, pat. Yeah, don't pat too hard. (laughs) Oh! This is why you never let the quartzes play with the diamonds. Those quartzes play too rough. Uh, Does that exhaust your... Yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for me. Uh, Overall, good episode. Tight, Tight animation. I absolutely loved seeing Blue Diamond. This was a this was a fantastic reveal of the real her. Yeah. This this is probably out of Steve Bone 5. I think I like this initial episode the most. Um so yeah. Well, so that's us on Steven's Dream. Uh listen, next week we'll be talking about Adventures in Light Distortion. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.